Okay, Ben. Yes, Mike. We have a lot to talk about. Do we? We do. All right. Most importantly, some new music came out. Yes, it did. And we haven't talked about music on this podcast yet. We have not. We have very uh, differing tastes. We do. I would say. We do. Uh, not too different, though. Yeah, I think so. You're you're more on the indie rock side. I'm more on the hip hop side. I would say. Okay. So. Give it. Yeah. I, I can I can get behind that. But the one band that we mutually like is Radiohead. And yes. And Radiohead came out with a brand new album on Sunday. This past Sunday. Mother's um, Day. Mother's Day. Happy Mother's how- Day. Yeah, happy, how inconsiderate of them with that too, by the way. Happy Mother's Day. Here's a Radiohead album. Yeah. Enjoy your brunch. Um, Pretty much anyone that was from age 25 to 38 were really shaken when they were having dinner with their mother trying waiting for this album to come out. Yeah. And I actually uh, was in this exact situation. However, I forgot to download it, all this other stuff. Um our good friend Jared Kane, who's Jared. Jared's with us right now. Hey, Jared. Jared. Hello, hello. Welcome back, Jared. Thank you. It's wonderful to be back. Jared was the very first person, obviously, to remind me that the Radiohead <laughs> album came out. He expressed his great appreciation for it, <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. So we figured, why not bring him on for our first music episode of the podcast? Uh, hopefully, not the last. Probably not the last. Um, what better person, Jared, you're a musical genius. <laughs> you're, you're, a real savant. You're, you're like the, the fifth member of the Beatles who played the keyboard. Well, that was Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Yes. Yeah, I was going to Google it. He was unfortunately no longer with us, but <laughs> really? No. Yeah. Sad. Sad. He was great. He was a great artist saw him play with eric clapton it was awesome so i'm very excited to have to have you specifically on this on this podcast with us on this episode you are a big radiohead fan a big is a uh is is a small word probably for <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say is, is, is this your band if you were gonna like pick any bands to have is radiohead the band end all be all for you or well i'll put it let's put it this way you know mike especially knows my love for the beatles and yes. the Beatles will always be, to me, the end-all, be-all, greatest thing ever. And I will expound upon their virtues till the day I die. Uh, but to me, Radiohead is the second coming of the Beatles. They represent to me everything that the Beatles did right and perhaps do even more. I wasn't around when the Beatles did their music, so to me, it's like the Radiohead are kind of my living Beatles, so in some ways they perhaps are more meaningful to me than the Beatles because I get to hear them come out with no music. If the Beatles were doing music in the 21st century, would they be doing something towards the experiments that Radiohead seems to be doing? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I Definitely. And that's one of the things that I like about this album a lot is that there's a lot of very... Beatles-esque uh, influence here to me in the production. I see that too. And, and it's funny because I didn't actually put two and two together until you say that. Because when I first listened to the album, for me, it is it is definitely their... I won't say their strangest album yet, 
but it's definitely up there. Uh, it's 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 out there. Give me your initial take on all of it first. And just listening to it, just that that first playthrough. What are your initial thoughts after wrapping up? So, the the it was it, it was kind of interesting experience because the first thing that I thought was very strange that they did, which they've never done, is that is that the the ways the way in which they released this album with Burn the Witch and Daydreaming ahead of it. Um, it, it was very, they, if they're, if they release singles, then they're usually not back to back, Never mind being the first two openers. So, um, so it was a little odd to kind of get the album, sit down, you know, I got, got into my setting, I put on my good headphones and had a cup of tea with me and I just turned it on <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the most Jared thing you've ever said. <laughs> so so you know, on comes Burn the Witch, and I'm like, oh yeah, I like the song a lot. I loved it as soon as I heard it when that came out. I fell in love. Yes, I had listened to it by that point. I don't even know how many times. Probably, I mean, what it had been out for at that point almost a week. So, um. I think it's safe to say I probably had listened to it a hundred times before the album came out. Okay. So I listened to that more than I did daydreaming, but I also was in daydreaming a lot. So, so, you know, it was just kind of odd to, okay, I've listened to this. It's the opener. Like wasn't really expecting that, but okay. And then daydreaming comes on and it's like, okay, I've heard this a lot too. And those two songs next to each other to me, are wildly different. The only thing that tied them even remotely together was the wonderful string arrangements from Johnny Greenwood. And even that was just very disparate to me because Burn the Witch was led by the strings throughout and you only get the strings really at the end of Daydreaming. So it, It's actually you, funny you mention that because I thought the way they had it on the album, it felt so weird. Because I feel like you should have daydreaming leading into burn the witches, not the other way around. Right. I I I, I agree with you too. I that's why it was a little. It was just I listened to them as you guys did. I'm sure in the order of when the singles were released. So, but my mind went where yours did, Ben. Where it was like I yeah I actually thought the same exact thing. That daydreaming would have been a really a beautiful opener and then burn the witch could have been, you know, led into that through with the strings for it that kind of came through at the end of daydreaming. But the thing is, is that, is that on its own is a, is a single burn the witch like never mind daydreaming being second or even in the album at all. Burn the witch is an excellent opener for an album. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kinetic, it's, it's frantic. It's everything that Radiohead is, that feeling of, you know, it, it had a little bit of that feeling of dread in it, in angst, and it was literally, it is literally about a witch hunt, um, which is something that they, mainly Tom York would be worried about, so, or concerned with. So, so it just, it, that, that to me, it made it a strong Radiohead opener to an album but those two next to each other, it, it still is kind of odd to me. So then, so then when those two end, then it's like, okay, now I'm into the album. 
So because I haven't heard the rest of it yet. So then Dex Dark comes on. That like I get I, I don't even know. I love that song. I, I absolutely love this song, Dex Dark. I thought it was it just sent it sent tingles up my spine because then then it felt like okay, this is this this is setting the tone for the rest of the album. And I think that that's exactly what happened. The rest of the album followed Dex Dark, which was this this very ethereal, like, uh, beautiful. I mean, that was the first word that came to my mind when I listened to this whole album. I said, this thing is beautiful. It's gorgeous. The production is stunning on it. And to me, this is, this is Johnny Greenwood's album. Everybody's calling this Tom York's breakup album. That may be with the lyrics. I really hope it's not because I think that's a little... I just feel like it's something Tom York wouldn't do for yeah. an album. And plus, a lot of these songs have been kicking around for a while. So, you know, th- I, don't know if that, I don't know if that really holds true. This is a Johnny Greenwood album, though. He, he, his, he is, to me, a, a, a genius composer. And never mind his contributions to Radiohead. He, I don't know if you guys have heard any of his stuff, his classical th- uh, pieces that he's written, but it, his works are tremendous, and well, I love all of his soundtracks for P.T. Anderson's movies. Yeah, as I say, didn't and, he do like There Will Be Blood? Yes, and, okay. and so, but he's written some of his own pieces, too. He has this beautiful piece called Water. You okay. guys should check it out. It's really great. Um, just, and he, to me... You know, I, I'm I love I love classical music. It's what got me into music, and so he to me set the tone of this album, and that tone, I think, was really carried from Dex Dark onwards. Burn the Witch, while heavy on the strings, just the pace of it and the uh, and the orchestration alone in it, to me, doesn't really. That was harsh, and right. it was you know. Whereas, like the rest of the strings in the album are beautiful. Uh, so, so, so after listening to the whole album and really feeling it from Dex Dark on, so my first takeaway from the from it to go back to your original question, Ben, mm-hmm. was that this this is a beautiful album. The production is perhaps the best production that Nigel's done for any of their albums. And I think he, he said something to that effect too afterwards that he felt it was the strongest. And so in its lushness and its beautifulness and its, and its beauty, the other thing that came through to me was that, yes, again, probably since, you know, I mean, since in Rainbows, we hadn't heard the full band. And it's funny because I was reading a lot of comments about you know, from fans from the album, and they're like, "Oh, you know, where's Ed on this? I don't hear Ed. Ed reeked all, uh, to all over it. He was he, the, the album reeked of Ed. It was great." I was gonna say, "Run that by me again." What was that? <laughs> all of the, all of the the wonderful effects that you know. I think Ed O'Brien's like Radiohead's secret weapon, right? He like Johnny gets all the he gets all the credit for being the lead guitarist, but Ed is he adds that that extra texture and layer to um to the to the ambiance that is modern radiohead and and 
I mean, it's speculative on my part, but I'm pretty sure that he was all over this thing. So that was great. Phil Selway's drumming, on point as usual. I mean, there were some really great overtures to some interesting, uh, you know, time signatures that they've used before. You know, you heard a little bit of Pyramid Song in there. Um, and Colin, okay, this to me is far and away Colin's best bass playing on any of their albums. The bass to me was tremendous. It just, there were some really funky lines that he had on there. Uh, you could hear it just so beautifully and it added this, this nice, nice texture. Uh, I, I mean, I, it was, they, they all just came together. And of course, time, it goes without saying. So, so that's to me what, what I walked away from this. I, I had a very positive reaction listening to it, and and I, I said this to Mike, I texted him this right afterward, after listening to it, that I felt like I was listening to Sgt. Pepper's for the first time. That To me, that's how great the production is. Wow. Ooh, yes. That and, is some high praise. And so, and so, to my dismay, going through and reading the reviews, the re- I mean, the reviews have been great for it, but it's not, it's not at that level, though. And, and, I, and I'm kind of like, you know, am I like, am I caught up in the hype? I mean, I've been following the freaking subreddit for them for since last year, you know, like, I, I mean, the hype in the, in the waiting period for this has been so, I mean, it's just been so much. And so I really don't think so, though. I, 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 I've now listened to the album this week now, you know, for, I probably listened to it about, at least 20 times by now and i it's it and as all great radiohead albums do it, it improves with each listen so it hasn't dropped down in my opinion it's improved so i so i'm hopeful that over time people will feel that same thing that i did about the richness of this production but um but yes that was my initial reaction i i, I really I, I felt like I was witnessing and listening to a, a a seminal album in in not only Radiohead's chronology but but music. Here's so, here's my biggest here's my biggest issue with with this album, and this is a concern that I brought to both of your uh, attentions. So this feels to me like a glorified B side album. It's a very good B side album. But it feels like a B-side album. There are parts of the album where it doesn't feel like it's cohesive, where the flow seems like it's missing a little bit. For me personally, I don't think it picks up until full stop. I like all of those songs. I like Burn the Witch. I think Burn the Witch is probably still my favorite out of them. Right. It's probably not the best one on the album. I think the best one is probably either... I lean towards the numbers. Um, The numbers is really good. But for... For everything else, it just, it doesn't, for me, it, it doesn't feel like it's a cohesive album. Uh, it does feel like these are a bunch of songs that we've been playing for a very long time. We recorded them in a studio and, oh, we added in a few extra new songs too. They, I feel like they, what they did was they more perfected what they had played. Cause ironically, and I'm reading this, you know, when Jared mentioned that they've had some of these in the vaults, they've actually mm-hmm. played a few of these on tour for a while. Yeah. Um, and do you want to know the three songs I have here? Uh, it is Identikit, Present Tense, and True Love Waits, which full, are full stop all after too. full stop. Full stop. And, and yeah. full stop. 
and Desert so, Island Disc and the Numbers, which was previously known as Silent Spring, were performed by Tom in Paris about four four months ago. He previewed them. Okay. So the the thinking process of this being like the quote unquote breakup album is more just that maybe it the guy just wasn't happy over X amount of years, and this is just the culmination of that. But they went they they had a split, and it was quote unquote an amicable split. Okay. You read these, you know, the lyrics in some of these, and you, you know, that's why Jared was calling it the quote-unquote breakup album, and maybe it's just not a breakup album, but it's more just the tail end of a relationship that soured, and ironically, it just comes up in he decides to put it with this album. I think irony is the key there, like because the themes of all the lyrics in this album are no different than any other Tom York lyrics, right? Like that's it, true. it, it, it's. You know, it's it's a very dark album in terms of its its lyricism. It's you know, it's it's angst, it's foreboding, it's the end of things. It's you know, um, the numbers is probably the most uplifting, I'd say, because um, it's more of a call to action. Right. It's a climate change song. So that I don't buy the Tom York breakup album thing, though. I mean, I just I think irony and convenience, inconveniently, it's just you know. It, it just it just, it just kind of happened that way, right? It, that it, it fits the narrative, so to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't buy I didn't buy into that until True Love Waits. As soon as I heard True Love Waits, I completely changed my mind. I said, no, this is this is definitely a breakup album. Well, do you know how many I mean, do you know how many mix CDs I made with True Love Waits on it? <laughs> many. I was so, hand, I was handing those out like candy. I do that so, now. People are gonna think I'm a lunatic. It's possible. It's possible that they added "True Love Waits" is like a is a later addition to the album, you know, because yeah. of things he may have been feeling. But so here, here's some interesting thoughts I have, though, about you know things you guys both hit on, and you particularly Mike about the, about not feeling it was an album. I read something that it piqued my. You know, um, brain in the the order of the tracks are in alphabetical order huh surely that can't be a mistake so so somebody said what if what if they uh, w- what if they are doing a very radiohead thing and they reverse engineered it and the these songs are not in the order that they should be and so i was like ooh that's very interesting Huh. Because I do feel like they could be in a different order on this album, and and the album would potentially become a little bit stronger with a different order. And that's that is interesting. And to add on to the point you added on to my point, um, I've actually read as well that it is kind of like an Arrested Development on Netflix model where you can start and stop wherever you want to. Um, that it's it's not really you know you can start if it's on shuffle for example. Uh, you know, we'll just randomly say Desert Island Disc, and then it ends with present tense. <laughs> so, I mean, you can have that debate with it, and it does make sense, but I think that actually, I don't know, I think that might make my idea of it being a B-side album a little bit more. Yeah, I, I feel frustrated just because I, I, that's news to me. I, I feel like that's kind of frustrating a little bit because, I mean, if – you want us to listen to it in a specific way, especially with how meticulous Radiohead is with some of these items. I feel like they would be able to weave it perfectly the way we want to listen to, not go like it's a, a la carte style for 
a la carte. That's uh, that's a better way to yes. Thank you. You know, so that's the frustrating part about that. So what um, what what I'll be waiting for to kind of like maybe lend a further line of sight on this is that they they are supposed to be playing the album in its entirety uh, at their at their shows. Uh, one of which I am so happy I'm going to. Uh, and so if they stick to an order that is not the order of the album, if they, if they play a whole set that, that is the album, you know, like a first part that's just the album, and they don't play it in the order of the album, I'm going to be paying attention to that because maybe that... It, it, th- this is why I love them. They do shit like this, right? They, 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 <laughs> they're very tongue-in-cheek about these types of things. They know the fandom is tremendous, and so they can get away with doing goofy things. I mean, the whole way that they released this album, it was painful, right? They right. erased their internet presence, fade the website to, to white, you know, don't don't say anything when they release "Burn the Witch." Mailed out flyers. They mailed out flyers mailed out, to people. Yeah, mailed out flyers. We know where you live in the UK. Yeah, like that's, that's not. I mean, I they they just they do this they do this stuff for the fans because they know that their fans are religious followers of theirs, and that you know, and that they can they can have a little fun. So it wouldn't surprise me if. The album is is not in the order we're supposed to listen to it. If they stick with the same st- set list for this album, then I think that maybe you might be onto something if it's out of order. But if if they change it up every night, though, then you know maybe it's just mm. I don't know. It it this very well could be the order of the album. I just thought it was an interesting thought because, Mike, I mean, I see what you're saying about the B side thing, but. I mean, I, and here's, uh, here's my line of thinking for this. I'm comparing this, and this is a very, very unfair comparison, to something that the Dave Matthews Band would do, for example. So if DMV were to release an album like this where they featured um, B-sides or stuff they've been playing live for all over the years, people would go nuts. Like, the hardcore DMV fans would go absolutely out of their minds. Burn the Witch, to me, is very, very similar to a DMV song called Mackhead, ironically enough. Uh, because it sounds, it's never heard, never played live. It was recorded for the Before These Crowded Streets album, their best album. Uh, and it's supposed to sound like a mix between a Paul McCartney song and a Radiohead song, hence yes. Mackhead. To me, that's very equatable. Like, I, I can see the comparisons there. So I think ever since that happened, I kind of got the idea that it's something that DMB could have done, but Radiohead did it. And, like, yeah, knowing but- in my head, like, okay, well... This is this would be a B side album, but I I get it, and it's Nor, and I, nor normally I would scoff at your DMV comparison here, Mike, but that's uh, interesting though. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, I I think it's a great album. I think the more I listen to it, the more I liked it, and it's you know I, I was telling you, Jared, before we started this podcast, it's probably right below OK Computer and In Rainbows for me, which are my two favorite. I know they're not yours, or In Rainbows is not yours. No. Um, it's it might be in time better than the bends, I get it, um, but we'll see. I, I think a lot of this album, much like their others, much like you said before, it's going to take some time to kind of resonate and sit with mm-hmm. and grow on you before you can really determine um, yeah. its place. That's the beauty of their music too. Is that 
is, I, I mean, even for myself that, you know, I listened to their catalog countless times and there are songs that, you know, that I liked before, but just kind of passed. And then you hear it again at a different time. And then it's like, Oh God, this was really great. Like, uh, like for instance, I, I've been, you know, listening to all their music as I do, but just a little more intensely um, lately, leading up to the album. And I forgot how great of a song Optimistic is from Kid A. That, and it's such an interesting song because it sounds like a, that song doesn't sound like it belongs in Kid A. That's very much like a Ben's era song. It's true. It's just a true rock song really heavy on guitars, you know, great drumming. And, you know, it's just, it's just an awesome song. And I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. I I forgot how much, how really great the song is. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You say that. I, I thought of that as well. I completely agree with that. And then that's what makes us so good is like, there's so many different songs that sound like Radiohead over the course of their career. Right. Right. And that's, that's why I love this album so much is because, to me, it blends all that they do right. It, you can, so you can hear all the members of the band. You can, you, you know, you have this wonderful new edition of these really lush strings by, by Johnny, and, and then you have, you know, like the, just enough electronic influence in it that sets it apart from it being just you know straight up rock, which is what makes them great in my opinion. So my question to you guys is. What's your favorite song? Ooh. I have I have a difference between I said this earlier. My favorite right now is Still Burn the Witch. Um but the numbers is up there for me. I really like present I don't know. It it changes. It, it like yesterday, for example, it was present tense. Um when I first That's... listened to it, I thought Glass Eyes was perfect. Mm-hmm. Now it, I think Glass Eyes is probably shifting down a little bit. Right. For for me, something that took a little while to get used to was identicate. Just listening to it, I remember first I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Then all of a sudden they just go off and break a little solo in there. It, it grew on me as I listened to it initially. Then I played it again, knowing the full song, and I appreciated it that much more. Um, "Burn the Witch," I, I think, might still be there for me because just that initial thought of hearing the song uh, years <clears throat> after being disappointed off their last album, it it, it kind of was like, "Wait, are are they back?" Are we entering a new? Uh, I wouldn't say a second prime, but you know, are, are we getting the Radiohead that you know dominated the '90s with their albums? Um, that's what I hold with on Burn the Witch at the very least. Uh, True Love Waits is incredible. Um, yeah. Do you guys like Do you guys like the album version more than the famed acoustic version? Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm into the downer stuff. Yeah. I I I I agree. I think that stripping it back like that, and I think it's really beautiful how how it was done. It was startling, and I think that was right, what yeah. I like most about it is yeah. having this version in my head from um, I think it was the I might be wrong live That's sessions right. maybe. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, having that version in my head for so long, and you know, listening to it for as long as I have, and then just starting out with like a very, very simple piano and then layers upon layers. Um, and having that close the album with like the don't leave wailing at the very, very end. 
right it, it, yeah i mean it's this sounds very very douchey but it was it was pretty perfect it really yeah. was yeah yeah i agree it, and I, I think it kind of goes kind of with what you were saying about, you know, this might be a B-Sides album. But at the same time, like, they, this, a part of the song was there. I think they really sat down and really re-looked at all these tracks to really make something cohesive. Uh, or at least attempt to, at the very least, with this. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it... it I, I don't like to. I like to not think that they were holding on to these in their pocket, like this polished. You know what I mean? Like, so, like just the thought of even things like "Burn the Witch." Apparently, "Burn the Witch" has been out for years too, but the, you're not getting that you know orchestra feel out of that song. You know what? As long as five, ten years ago, when they started toying with this idea. Well, "Burn the Witch," I was reading too, has if you, the "Hail to the Thief" album has the "Burn." The witch lyrics to it. There are certain like phrases from "Burn the Witch" yeah, on burn, the album cover. Yeah, "Burn the Witch" is yeah is on the is on some of the words that uh, that Stanley put on there. Oh, no. and, and and it had been some of the lyrics had been teased um, along with the tune at some of their shows too. So the, yeah, what um, Hill of the Thief came out in 2003, so that yeah, that's been around now for like 13 years. Um, I, so yeah, the tr- but back to the True Love Waits, I, I think that um, startling is a really great word for that, Mike. It, it, it's and I his vocal is really really great on that, and I kind of wonder if that vocal had been locked in the vault for all these years <laughs> from like they. Because I have a feeling that they've wanted to put, and they've said as much too. I'm pretty sure that that's documented that Tom said stuff about, you know, giving it a proper release on an album over the years. So, so I bet they've had that in the can for a while, the vocal at least, and and have just waited for the appropriate time to put it on an album. But um, well, I think yeah, I it feels a touch doctored to me, and if it's not doctored, then perhaps it is an older vocal that that, that would make sense. Yeah, um, yeah. His voice sounds really just not as weathered as it does now. Th- yeah, there's a very tiny screech at the end, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It, yeah, it, so it makes me think that maybe it's not Doctor, and maybe that's just you know the raw recording of it mm-hmm. from how whenever it was recorded. Now, wasn't it? rumored to be recorded or supposed to be recorded during the okay computer sessions or am i thinking of something else mm, that it was recorded intended to be on an album yeah not that i'm aware of okay. um i might i might be wrong about that huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite songs by the way all right so i'll ask you jared we um if you had to pick one song that you felt did not belong, and Ben, you can feel free to chime in too. If you felt uh, one song that did not belong on the album. So my knee-jerk reaction to that is full stop. It just feels very... Uh, I, don't, I don't dislike the track, but to me, I feel it's kind of the weakest to me. And so I don't know if it's just because I think that it's the weakest that... I think it doesn't belong, but the sound is is very. I mean, 
the slow build with the synthesizer from the beginning, you know, up to the end, it's just, I don't know, it just, it, it doesn't have the, to me that, that song doesn't have the prettiness of the others. So, because mm -hmm. I, cause I think that the album's very pretty. So, um, yeah, again, I don't dislike it, but I, I, I but it, it also, it's not my favorite. I think the reason why I, I feel the way I do about it too is because by the time it reaches that like jam part, you know, about halfway to a little more than half uh, to a three quarters through, it doesn't, it doesn't have that ultimate culmination of like a typical like Radiohead crescendo. It just kind of stays flat when they start jamming. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't have that continued buildup like you'd have in like, you know, there, there, or, or even on the album, like Tinker Taylor, where the, the strings take that role. So at the end, so, so I, I don't know. I, I, that's my knee jerk reaction. But if I, if I get, if I give it a little more thought though, I think daydreaming is the one that doesn't fit on the album because that is really just really like, that's a really pretty song, <laughs> like too pretty. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, it sounds like, you know, like Northern European ambient music that's like I, glaciers and I, I <laughs> it's very kid -A. it's yeah. very very kid -A. it is kid -A. yeah like border I, borderlining on like the radiohead it's and it's fine like that's that's when i listen to it i just think it's it's fine but it's bordering on the radiohead oh, this is why people think radiohead's obnoxious oh no i think it's a beautiful song it's one of my favorites it's it's in my top I think for the album. Oh, I don't know. I have a lot of favorites on this album. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's right, and that's and maybe that's that's a sign of a good album that it does change every day, like it or it changes every time you listen to it, and you find new things, right? So, so what? So what do you guys think doesn't belong on it? Uh, I, I don't know, because I, I I try not to like pick out what I don't think would go with it, because they're, for, especially with radiohead i feel like there's a reason why they're putting every song in here for a certain particular reason and I, I just don't think i've found it yet if that makes sense mm -hmm. uh so uh, initially you know daydreaming seemed out there based off the entire album of work so i agree with you there but i also i something about tinker taylor so you know that entire one tinker taylor soldier sailor <laughs> rich man poor man beggar man thief um it that one seems out there for me as well, especially when it's, you know, it's going into true love waits afterwards. I, I, maybe it's also that with the, where it's supposed to be in the album. I don't know, Ooh, but Jared's going to get mad. Why? <laughs> <laughs> why is Jared going to get mad? Is, is this one of his eight favorites off the album? No. So t I think Tinker, I think I have settled that Tinker Taylor's is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must have not heard that then. Uh, so I chalk it up to a few things because uh, as a Radiohead song, it definitely stands out. It's not a very typical, well, at least the first half is a typical Radiohead song, but um, th those synthesizers in the beginning too, they, they hooked me from the beginning. I, I I'm a big fan of Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor, and so it very much had that moody interesting you know 
so you were hooked from the beginning just with all I that. was I was hooked with that with that synthesizer. I love that that um uh I just I just love the way that it sounds. It really sets you in a mood. And then though, by the time those strings come in, oh my god. That to me that is like that's one of the best endings on a song that even comes to mind like of the whole catalog of every song that I can think of. Like that outside of Radiohead. Like that's that ending is so good. But I think that I love the ending so much because it's it's very it's very James Bondy. I think that song's more yes, James Bond than Spectre is. Um it I'm, has I'm surprised it, Spectre actually isn't on here. I thought I about that too. Because it would fit yeah, I think it could. Um I love Spectre, but we should talk about that after actually. Um but like the strings are I would understand if somebody said they may be like a little bit schmaltzy in like off-putting for a Radiohead song, but I'll be damned. I love it. I mean, I can't you just see that like in like this grand movie, you know, like the it just that ending is something else. I get it. When I heard that, that to me, that was like when I was sitting in my armchair, drinking my tea, listening to the album. <laughs> When that, there were many moments in the album when I kind of made an audible, like, oh, you know, or like, a, a, you know, but when that happened at the end of that song, I went, oh, oh my God. Oh, it was, it was a musical orgasm. It was that, <laughs> that ending is so good. It's so good. So it's, it, it's made it my favorite on the album. I don't know if it's the best song on the album. I don't I don't I don't think it's the best song in the album, but I think the numbers gives gives it a run for its money. But um and daydreaming too. But I yeah, that's and so as the penultimate song leading into True Love Waits, I think it's great. Mike and I were talking earlier about who was it that said it, Mike? Steve that, Steve Lillywhite, who is yeah. of course a very famous producer did some work with a band you might have heard of called the Dave Matthews Band, and I actually looked up the term that he used. Uh, it's called the graveyard slot. Mm-hmm. Um, second to last song on the album. Uh, it's kind of like the climax of the album, and then it comes down like the the deep breath right before you exhale. And the very last song, "True Love Waits," serves as the exhale. I love it. That's great. It's so true. It's so true because that. That crescendo of that beautiful, beautiful composition by Johnny at the end of that song. That is like it's the orgasm of sound. And then and then the and then the exhale is true love waits, which is just beautiful and minimalist and Yeah, I love that. Oh, I love that song, Tinker Taylor. It is so good. The talk about podcast after dark. We're talking about all all sorts of nasty things. (laughs) Getting real freaky naughty over here. (laughs) It kind of gives me the same feeling of oh, like, oh which, my. Oh, wait, wait, uh. <laughs> which is not not the penultimate, um, which is an excellent song on OK Computer, the penultimate song, Lucky. But um, but the tourist, Mike knows, is probably my favorite Radiohead song, mm-hmm. uh, the closer to OK Computer, and I think that they they share. Tinker Taylor and the Taurus share similarities in the way that they just have this tremendous uh, 
crescendo to to the end um and it's you know it's it's very gaudy and you know lush and i love it i think it's great i feel that way about videotape i think videotape is probably one of my favorite radiohead songs to end an album i've always thought i just always have something about that song that i always go back to between that and you know i jared i know your feelings about in rainbows but for jigsaw falling into place and then videotape as the last two songs on in rainbows without the extra songs without like the bonus version um besides there that's probably one of my favorite ways that radiohead has ended an album yeah i mean you keep you keep inserting about i know how you feel because <laughs> <laughs> you don't like in rainbows, in rainbows was essentially no. what got me into radiohead uh, i i like them enough to like know who they were and listen to their their popular songs in rainbows got me into radiohead yeah i mean if if i had and i think this is why i feel the way that i do about in so let's say what how i feel about in rainbows let's. i don't i don't dislike it in rainbows with the exception of pablo honey there's no radiohead album that i think is bad you know and there's not even any that i think are like good i think they're all great and in rainbows is is also great there's some really great great weird fishes is awesome i love nude nude is a beautiful song um you know i i hell i even like house of cards so but the reason why i feel i do about in rainbows or what how i feel about in rainbows i should first say is is that it's definitely like to me, it's the entrant to Radiohead. It, it, while I feel that Moonshape Pool is a combination of all of their efforts over the years culminating into an album, which I think makes it great, to me, In Rainbows is also that, but in a more commercial way. Um, I think that In Rainbows is the easiest Radiohead album to listen to, probably even more so than OK Computer. Um, so... So that's, I, I, so I think because of that, I just kind of like, it feels lesser to me than other albums because it's, it's not for the serious fan. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being elitist about it, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I get it. But I, I do know. can't be in the club, it's fine. But no, I know that in Rainbows is the reason why a lot of, even people our age, so like, you know, like people like my sister's age is six years older than us. Like she, she started listening to Radiohead when Pablo Honey came out, right? Well, well, we, you know, we weren't of age really to start listening to them until, you know, until Kid A. So, and that, that's when I first listened to them was Kid A. And so, the, and Radiohead themselves kind of have defined themselves that they don't play anything really live before Kid A. They'll play some things from OK Computer every now and then the bends, rarely. But, um, but they kind of like, Kid A was their seminal moment. And so, and, and that's when I started listening to them. And so, and that's when shit got kind of real with them in terms of like their, how serious they took themselves in the, the production and the electronic stuff. So, um, so in rainbows to me, by the time in rainbows happened, then it was like, it was kind of like, oh, this is like, 
you know, appealing to a wider audience. Interesting that they're doing this, even though I don't think that that was her goal within Rainbows at all. It's a beautiful album. It's a great album. I mean, I, I just, it's just not my favorite. That's fine. So, okay, this, this leads in perfectly to my last question. Rank a moon-shaped pool. And you don't have to give it a number. You don't have to give it a one through nine. But where would you put it as far as, you know, maybe a first tier, second tier, bottom tier? Uh, first tier. First tier, okay. Yeah. Any other, what, what else is in that first tier for you? Amnesiac is my favorite album, um, which is, I know, an unusual choice, but um, I really love that album. Um, that was like probably because, you know, and this is the beauty of Radiohead and, all, and any artist that we like, is that that was like the one that I really, really listened to when I first started listening to them. Kid A, I kind of like was into, but wasn't, you know, nuts about amnesiac i was and i think it was just a timing thing time in my life or whatever so um so amnesiac's up there and i mean i guess i have to say okay because okay computer is like the seminal album i mean that's like that'll go down is just their you know it's hard to argue with it being their greatest so um, so I would put it up there. Um, so I would, yeah, I would put a moon shaped pool with okay computer and amnesiac. Huh, okay. If I was looking at this from an objective standpoint and like removing the, the sentimental amnesiac value and whatever, then I think that the other album that belongs in the top three is, is kid a. So, um, kid a, okay, okay computer. And I think a moon shaped pool is up there. Followed very closely by Hail to the Thief, which is a very underrated album, in my opinion. I agree. Ben, what do you think? Where, where is it for you? For me? I mean, it's unfair for me because I came into Radiohead late. I mean, I listened to them, you know, I, I, I'm always shocked at what I listen to when I listen just to Paranoid Android. Um, just that track alone mesmerizes me. Um, it's good. I, I think I just need more time on it. Uh, I, I I just think it's good. I, I, I'm not trying to rank it, you know, 1 to 10. Um, I feel like I got to devote more time to it to honestly give it an appropriate ranking because there, there's just a lot going on there that just needs to be digested and thought of for me. That's fair. A, a very good answer. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I try. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it sounds good. Uh, it, it was good just to listen to new things and not immediately. I didn't n- immediately judge it as I did uh, The King of Limbs. This, yeah. this I, I listened to it. You know, I thought about it. And, and just, again, the, f- the first two tracks kind of lured me in. I think it was a smart way with how they released the first two tracks to be like, oh, by the way, album's out in five days. Right. And then it was like, perfect. All right, good. I get to listen to the rest of this and then we'll see, you know, what it is. Now that I got it, I got to, I think I haven't listened. I maybe listened to it six times through. I, I still need to get like 10 more listens to feel, you know, comfortable ranking it. Well, now I, w- I want to listen to it on shuffle. Yeah. Now like, that's, exactly. that's probably going to be next. That's probably for me. It's like, all right, am I going to, get lucky and figure out if this is the the ideal way they wanted to listen to, yep. you know? 
my my two favorite albums are OK Computer and In Rainbows. My two favorite Radiohead albums. Um, I really like the Bends a lot too. I would probably put it in the second tier. Uh, objective, I'm excuse me, subjectively, um, probably with Hail to the Thief. Probably about Kid A. Kid A, I can listen to. That's like you know, I need to be in a certain mood to really listen to Kid A. I can't, I can't just be like you know, either commuting to work or doing, um, doing work or whatever, and put on Kid A. That's that won't happen. That's understandable. <laughs> um, but I mean, ob- objectively, I think I would probably put it either in the third or fourth spot. I just gotta, um, I, I gotta say before. Poor King of Limbs. Everybody hates on it. I think it's a. I think it's a great album. I, no, I don't know. It because it, so I don't want to. But that 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 album was intended to be an album of textures, and I think that's why I love a moon shaped pool so much. Is because it Ben, you were kind of saying like, yeah, you need to keep listening to it and letting it sink in. Because even though I had a very you know immediate intense reaction of positivity towards it um which i honestly wasn't expecting um there are so there are so many textures to a moon-shaped pool that demand to be heard and that's what i love about king of limbs is that my initial reaction to it was kind of meh, you know it wasn't disdain but i it was just kind of like I don't, yeah, you know, I don't know. It didn't do anything for me. The more I've listened to that album over time, I think it's a it's a really great album of sound. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my two cents. I really only listened to the last two songs. <laughs> to, to be honest, I I can't get through. That that might actually be one of uh, my least favorite. With Amnesiac, uh, Amnesiac, I don't. I probably couldn't name three songs off Amne- Amnesiac. Oh, you need to give Amnesiac another shot. I will. I'll. I'll be. This has definitely opened my mind to it. Dude, Pyramid Song, You and Whose Army, Knives Out. Come on, oh, Dollars uh, okay. I, I like. Oh. I actually like Knives Out. Well, hey, Jared, thanks so much for coming on and talking thanks, about Radiohead with us. This was fun. Uh, yes, I, I really loved the opportunity to bloviate about. Uh, Radiohead. So <laughs> glad, glad we can give you the uh, the time. Uh, we'll have you on again so we can talk about how the Beatles are overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I might not be here for that one. That could be funny though. Like, I would be very animated on that. So <laughs> that'll have to be it. We should we should really do a drunk podcast one of these days. <laughs> oh god! And just go off on like the randomest stuff, like just just these absurd takes. <laughs> like, no. You know what? You know what? Beatles, not that good. That's what I think. Beatles, they're just okay. They're just okay. <laughs> oh God. But Jared, thank you uh, for joining us. Appreciate it, Ben. This look music podcast. We're doing music now. I know. Since when? Since when do we do? That's what we do in the talk about, I guess, right? Well, I'm Mike McCauley. I'm Ben Fountain. This does talk about podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you next time, folks. <laughs>